Hello, Stephen here. The Podcast with Benefits is back. We will record most episodes of the show live with active audience participation. This means that the direction of each episode is a bit more spontaneous, as audience members can chime in with topics and questions at all times. This is a fairly new format for us, and we're still working out some of the kinks. With that being said, you can still expect the same shenanigans from your favorite self-described and uncertified love, sex, and relationship gurus. Enjoy the show. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god, they're gone. They're invisible. <laughs> it's a whole different day for me. I uh the butthole hat was an invisibility shirt. cloak. I have a different shirt and my hair is different, so obviously <laughs> I I totally didn't get the memo. I I, I also have I'm wearing this a different thing. butthole hat on. <laughs> can I I need to see can we um this is when we get banned. <laughs> this is it. This, I, every episode, increasingly, I'm like, "This is it. This is the one." Where we get banned. <laughs> uh, so, no. In reality, I, my dog was freaking out because he was digging in the couch cushion at a at a, a chew stick, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna have to go get that for him." So he stops flipping out. <laughs> That's fine. Understandable. Um, so, hello, welcome back. Uh, hello. For- for everyone tuning in, um, or for audio listeners, this is a continuation of our last episode, I guess. It's a new episode, but uh, we are joined by Callie Wright. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Anytime. Anytime. Uh, but uh, so last episode, we kind of went into Callie's story uh, and their experience transitioning and uh, sort of processing a lot (laughs) (laughs) it's a very very accurate way to put that processing a lot (laughs) a little bit of everything um and uh the episode ended with callie saying that uh they were going to sort of turn the table and ask me some pressing questions so yes i want to ask how the turntables have turned yes um because i think what what you were talking about about like not liking penetrative sex and how uh, specifically that it bothers you that that's like the center of everything right mm-hmm. um i think that uh frankly societally we have a really fucking boring idea of what sex actually is and i think it is a common experience that you would say, I'm not really into penetrative sex. And somebody would say, what other kind of sex is there? What do you like then? Yeah. Tell me, talk to me about that. So first of all, that fucking sucks. Cause like, so I, I often have this experience where I, I, I'm talking to someone and I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to come tonight. Uh, (laughs) Can we make this happen? Uh, Yeah, Yeah. So, you know, we have the back and forth and we're talking about things. And then uh, I, I am not 100% against penetrative sex necessarily. It's just I don't want to do that 
first and foremost. Like if I'm if I'm with somebody sort of regularly and I'm comfortable with them, then yeah, we can explore different things. But if I'm if I'm just looking at like I can't relax with someone that I just met enough to be fucked in the ass. Or mm-hmm. like I just I just because I'm not like aroused by the idea of of fucking somebody else in the ass. Like I I just don't want to I, I don't i don't want that to be the focus like mm-hmm. i would rather just hang out with somebody and then maybe come and it, it sucks when a conversation just immediately ends because i won't let them fuck me like in in the traditional sense um and i i guess it, it's it's fine if that's something that they need and i'm not able to provide it like that's fine, and I, I, I think it's great that they're able to, you know, withdraw consent for an experience. All of that, um, but like, sometimes people are just so assumptive, and and like you said, they're like, oh well, what else would we do? And I'm <laughs> right. like, well, I can pull out a list, but like, literally anything else, like, <laughs> <laughs> and it, like they, it doesn't process. It's like does not compute, and they're just sitting there like in twitching, and there's like a glitch and sparks and everything it's like i broke them because all that they can think of is okay dick ass boom like that's it um and that that that's really the the major qualm that i have yeah yeah yeah. um and i i I think that honestly like that is a gift that i have gotten from diving a lot more deeply into like queer theory and queer culture and polyamory is like learning that sex is a whole lot more than just like somebody sticking something in somebody else of one variety or another right um and like i mean i say that as a person who like really enjoys that kind of sex but i would also get bored if that's literally all there was um and uh you know i think for me it's just it's just intimacy that like feels good in a special way that other intimacy doesn't like it's a it's a very nebulous thing to me like what that even looks like right especially because like i hook up with other trans people who have different varying feelings about their genitalia like they might be really really into a very specific kind of sex act um, that may or may not have to do with their genitalia, or they may have like very specific ways that they want their genitalia to be interacted with. Um, and and I think honestly, what what makes it the most pleasurable for me is like what I've learned about like about like setting boundaries and asking for consent and that kind of stuff. Um, because like doing that all up front, what you're really saying is like I am communicating to you the best ways to take care of me. And you are communicating to you the best ways to take care of you uh, in in these super intimate ways that are like much deeper than like, oh, I'm going through a hard time. How can I support you? Like that matters, obviously. But like when you're interacting with somebody else's body, that's like super, super intimate in ways that a lot of other things are not. Um, and I, I find that I think what it turns out to be for me is that like, the mechanics of physical sexual pleasure are great and like that's fun but what really creates a satisfying sexual experience is like that sort of emotional intimacy that comes with it even if it's a one night stand even if it's a hookup if it's not somebody that i feel a particular emotional connection to it's still just like in that moment like i want to have a conversation with you about how you like to be touched 
um, because it's really important for me that you feel good about this experience and that I feel good about this experience and that like we have a good time. And especially if I'm talking to somebody who I know has complicated feelings about their body, like I obviously don't want to, I don't want to fuck with any of that. Um, and, and I feel like that's just such a, to me, that's just, that, that just, it just feels very normal to conceptualize sex in that way now. But I also feel like, I don't know, to like mainstream culture, that's such a radical idea that sex can be something different. And I think even among a lot of queer people, it still feels that way. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, just, I was very interested to hear you say that and sort of unpack more of your experience with that and so like are you are you okay being more specific like what do you because you because because again i'm like playing the very very ignorant person like well you don't want penetrative sex but you want to come so what are we gonna do <laughs> like uh obviously oral sex and uh like mutual masturbation like those are things um but like like i mean what do you look for in a sexual experience like that um i mean well those two things sound great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like for me, so, and, and I've had this conversation with, with Chris before on some previous episodes, like I'm all about the foreplay. Um, yeah. And I, I also really like um, kind of like what you were talking about, that, that sort of emotional connection and kind of like leading up to the orgasm is more exciting to me than the orgasm itself so to speak it's like going up the hill on the roller coaster before going down is very exciting um terrifying but exciting and uh i i like that kind of thing um and so in like a sexual encounter um that sounds like it sounds like a sci-fi film uh <laughs> <laughs> like an encounter of the fourth kind um but in, in a sexual encounter, I, I, I just get kind of bored with the idea of uh, people just like showing up or me showing up and then just immediately, boom, and then, all right, fuck, come, done. And then, all right, bye. Like, it's like, what, what did we do here? Like, what, right. what did we accomplish here that you couldn't have accomplished on your own in two seconds in the bathroom? Like, why was I required Wait. for this? Are there people who can do it that fast? Uh, I mean, twice. Wow. Okay. All right. Damn. All right. <laughs> well, like, it's it, it, it just like it, it seems almost like we've we've almost commodified sex or made it like this this hyper efficient means to to some kind of end. And it's like, why can't it be some kind of a a journey or an exploration? without it needing to accomplish a specific thing. And that's coming from somebody who also has used sex as a, a commodified way to access an orgasm. Like I am also part of the problem, but oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> for sure. Well, I, I think there's, there's a difference between like, you know, they're like, obviously people enjoy a lot of different things, a lot of different ways, but I think it's different when one specific thing is like the overriding cultural expectation and that doesn't fit what you're into. Like it can kind of feel like you're being smothered a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the main problem, I guess. And uh, like Chris, you're making a lot of faith. There's, you... there's a lot of threads here that like, I mean, no, what you're saying is absolutely correct. And I just, my, my opinions on the matter are that, We've we've commodified sex because it's it it 
it helps humans cope with that being lonely. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm independent. I don't want anybody. I'm single, but I, I need to get my rocks off. And so I, I've got to do it with somebody else. It's like eating alone. Like, you know, people are fucking weird about eating alone, but you eat alone all the time at home. You masturbate all the time at home, but it's, it's nice to do it with somebody else. So there's that, that loneliness thread. Uh, there's that portion of it. There's, uh, just, there's a lot, uh, that's my main one. It's just that that people don't want to be alone, so that's why they feel they have to do it with somebody else. But they don't have to love yourself, love your body, explore yourself. But that it's also another thing about it is that sex obviously isn't just about penetration for them. It's about either a need to to assert their dominance or to be dominated. Uh, perhaps um, that's not that's not even necessarily true. And that's not even necessarily about the the penis and the vagina or the butthole. Huh? There's a lot of it. There's a whole lot. Where I, I where I'm not the news. I'm the Daily Show. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, I I feel very fortunate in that I am just like not super picky. Honestly, like I really enjoy having sex and. <clears throat> If it turns out that it's just the very mechanical, physical kind of sex that doesn't have feelings attached, like I like I won't have sex with anybody without having a boundaries conversation, at least a very basic boundaries conversation, um, because I think that's really important. Uh, even in like quote unquote vanilla sex, I just think it's very, very important to have just the very the most basic boundaries situation uh, conversation with people, uh, just to make sure that that everybody's on the same page, um, and that can still be fun. Um, but I also, but I, I very much more enjoy, even if it's, even if it's a random person that I'm hooking up with for there to be at least like a little bit more of a deeper connection than that. Um, because for me, it, it really is like intimacy and the physical pleasure of things. That's, it's like a 50, 50 split for me on like what's important in sex. And I love even I mean, you know, I hooked up with this dude at a con uh, and we spent probably 10 or 15 minutes talking about boundaries. Like, what's hot for you? Like, what do you like? Uh, you know, how do you like to be touched? That kind of. Th and I thought, like, it was so fucking cool. Um, first of all, because, like, no offense, uh, I felt a little surprised that. I was with a cis guy that was like that worried about having that. He, like he was equally as into having that boundaries conversation as I was. Um, and uh, on the rare occasions when I have hooked up with cis guys before uh, often that conversation is treated as a like, okay, I know we need to do this, but it's a little silly that we're doing it kind of thing, you know? Um, and it was yeah. cool. And I, who knows if I will ever even meet him again in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there was still a level of intimacy there that was about more than like we're touching each other's genitals and we're fucking and stuff. Uh, and that's like, those experiences are always way more fun for me. I will say that I am very excited for a time in the future in which I can stop being impressed when somebody cares to have that conversation. Like, yeah. And I, yeah. I hate it when like I'm, I'm meeting with somebody and then they're like, okay, now uh, I just want to make sure that you're comfortable. You know, what do you like? Uh, what are your boundaries? Things like that. When they do that, it's like, I'm like, oh my God. Oh, oh my God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Like, 
Why? Like, why? Why can't that be the norm? Uh, well, so. I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that, like, the reason why a lot of people have really fucked up relationships with sex is because of the especially puritanical way our culture treats sex. Uh, yeah. You know, I I have had to do even as a, you know someone who had a relatively open upbringing like my mom had the sex talk with me pretty early and i feel like you know looking back on it i mean i was fucking like 13 and it felt very awkward but like remembering the conversation now i felt like she did a mostly pretty good job of explaining stuff and you know obviously at you know 14 she was having the conversation with me in the context of like well you're a boy and so here are things you need to know as a boy um but i felt like she did a really good job of explaining about like how you want to like you know consent is important and boundaries are important and that kind of stuff but like even with that i just had so much bullshit to unpack around sex before it was able to actually be fun for me so that touches on something i want to talk talk about in the previous episode is that it's that's why penetrative sex is so ingrained in us as like the the end all be all and that's where you need to go because that's what the birds and bees conversation is like. <laughs> yes. It's not like a, and so you want to make sure that the knot is secure, but also safe to get out of. Like that's not part of the birds and bees conversation. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not talking about what safe wax is or safe word. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's just about just, just how to procreate is the end of yeah. the conversation. Like it's so that's that's one reason. Another another thing that I, I thought about again, uh, I, I couldn't really bring it up, but uh, in the last time we recorded uh, moments ago for us, um, is that you talked about you know how you're supposed to uh, live this life of service in others, but you don't think about taking care of yourself. Having kids, I've realized that. I, I have to train them to take care of other people and take care of our, their family and not live for themselves because kids are selfish. But if, eventually I need to alter that conversation to you know, make sure you take time for yourself and, and healing and, and, you know, you can't keep giving if you've got nothing left to give, you know, make sure you're good. But kids are fucking selfish. And so you have to teach them to make sure they're taking care of their neighbor and taking care of their family. Um, but it's, it, it, you can, you can drill that message too much. So yeah, watch, watch well, birds and bees conversations and teach them how to care for themselves and others. Well, and, and I think a lot of that also depends on the different ways in which people are socialized. And I mean, bringing it back to how like everything in our culture is gendered, right? Like there are very specific ways that, uh, that men are generally socialized to be in service to other people and also socialized very directly to believe that they are entitled to the service of others, right? Um, uh, and and that's like the conversation that, that happens a lot in feminist spaces, but you don't hear in the mainstream because people don't want to believe it's true, is that like, that is the way in which uh, misogyny hurts men. Also, <laughs> the idea that that women are less than and uh, like that has has a knock on effect that is harmful to men as well. Uh, and that's something that's like like it's very very much part of feminist theory. It's just not a thing that people like to talk about because they would love to just say that like feminism is, is about hating men. Um, but part of the way that 
men are denied access to themselves is that eventually you are taught that it's like it's not okay to feel feelings it's not okay to be sensitive it's not okay to be uh intimate in any way with uh, you know anyone who is not your wife uh and you know taught to you know suppress all of those things um but also a very very strong cultural notion that like society largely exists to benefit you (laughs) Um, and I think that, I mean, that's uh, uh, the reason why, and I mean, there, uh, I feel like any, any man that I have in, in my social circle and interact with a regular, with any regularity, I feel like has done lots of work unpacking that because I can't fucking stand or be around men who haven't, frankly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like, that is, I mean, that's a social barrier to overcome and that it's a thing that we don't like. Because I do think it's really important to talk about the ways in which, you know, misogyny uh, directly harms women. But I think it harms everyone in certain ways. Uh, and it's, you know, there, there's nuance to that conversation. Just like, you know, you don't have to be gay to be hurt by homophobia, right? You just have to be perceived in, to be in some proximity to gayness uh, to, to be hurt for being, uh, be hurt by homophobia. Um but of course, if you say that, you risk taking attention away from like the most hurt group. And so there's like nuance that has to happen there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's hard. It's basically what my my point is is that the the lessons that that are still drive mainstream society are the ones that they are preaching from a very early age. You know, mm-hmm. like in the, the it's I always bring it to the the. How, how to train an elephant. Like when, when an elephant's born, when they're born in captivity, they just tie a rope around its its tiny little elephant foot and it can't break away from that little rope. Uh, as it gets older, they just keep that same rope on it and it's mu- it's a massive elephant now and it can easily snap that rope, but it, it has learned from a young age that I can't break free from the rope, so I don't even try. Yeah. So it's just that conditioning that we all have to work through and get through. Whatever your rope is, you know, figure that shit out and break free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and figure. Injury. Yeah, and I mean, figuring out that it's there in the first place is such a fucking battle. <laughs> before you even like begin to unpack it, you know. I mean, it, it took me until I was almost thirty to get to get over the what I would say is probably the biggest one in my life. But, you know, the gender stuff, um, and that I mean that kind of opened the floodgates to everything else because I was not you know accessing so much of what was important to me about myself. Um. And uh, yeah, and then there, you know, there's the sunk cost fallacy of like once you realize that, it's like, oh fuck, my entire life's been a waste. Right. If this is true, what else? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's all. Sorry to completely derail it. That's no, I don't think I, I don't think that was a complete derailment at all. I think that was entirely relevant. <laughs> like that made made a ton of sense. Uh, and I mean, if we people, you know, talking speaking about elephants, if we want to address the elephant in the room, the relevant it is, elephant. It is uh, a, a very specific brand of evangelical Christianity that is kind of at the root of most of that, right? Uh, you know, the the idea that you have to be uh, apart and separate from your community, that whatever um, whatever family you have, you know, mom, dad, two and a half kids, whatever, 
that is the aspiration, the the goal, the entire thing that society is centered around, as opposed to centering society around you know a broader community of people. Um, you know, which if you look at basically every other human culture that's existed, uh, they have very specifically been organized largely into communities of one kind or another, uh, as opposed to these like separate and discrete family units. And that is the way that that hegemony perpetuates itself because it separates us from our power by separating us from community. Yes, Chris. Well, he hegemony? Oh, uh, that, that's like the, the 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 dominant power that keeps everything the same. Let me let me look up the uh, the actual definition: uh, leadership or dominance, especially by one country or social group over others. Hegemony. All right. <laughs> Hegemony <laughs> cricket. Yeah, uh, it's one one of those fancy sounding academic words that yeah, I've that taken into my vocabulary. Words. Yeah, yeah. Like we learn all kinds of things here. Yeah, I just wanted you. Thanks. The more you know. <laughs> so yeah, and that's I don't know. That's <laughs> I, I brought I brought religion into the conversation. Yeah, which, I, it, it comes up a lot, actually. It's uh, does it? Okay, that's good. That's it's because I mean, in, when these conversations and this is a podcast about love, sex, and relationships, and you can't talk about love, you can't talk about sex, you can't talk about relationships. Unless we talk about um, these these you know traditional ideas that that form them, and religion is so powerful in how it, it's it's ingrained in us. Uh, it's part of our culture. It's part of our communities. It's part of our families. Chris was talking about how uh, these are ideas that are ingrained in children at a young age. Um, if if there's one force I can think of, that's probably the most powerful thing that is ingrained in people at a young age it's religion and uh like uh, coming out of the closet was easier for me than coming out as uh, I, I said atheist at the time i didn't realize that agnosticism existed but um like th that's how powerful of a force it was at least for me um so i, I can only imagine for other people who have uh, even <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a common thing that that's a common thing that people say. I, I have uh, one friend I'm thinking of in uh, specifically who said that uh, coming out as gay to his like Baptist preacher dad or whatever um, was actually like I guess in like whatever specific brand of uh, Baptist church they have they they really don't care. Um, like you're still supposed to adhere to the same like sort of puritanical notions of sexuality, like, uh, you know, chastity before marriage and like all of that stuff. Um, but he said, you know, he came out as gay to his dad when he was like super, super young. And then as like someone like approaching like middle and older age was still terrified to tell his dad that he was an atheist. Um, so yeah, that, that's not a, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't have numbers to say exactly how common it is, but you know, as, as someone who, who lives in the queer world and, and the atheist world, certainly not an uncommon thing that, that I've run into. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of weird because it's almost like a, it's almost like a trope or a cliche at this point, but it, I feel like religion is oftentimes in the conversations that I've had with queer individuals, it, it's been, it's been a part of that. Uh, well, whether I mean, it's a part of their coming out story or a part of them struggling with identity. In, in any, you know, uh, Christian religion, uh, you know, 
type that I've, I've come across, it's a big message that is touted often that you love God first, mm-hmm. first, and then family somewhere after that. It's always that guy first, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy, specifically right, right, a guy, yeah, of course. Yeah, that on purpose. Yeah, not it's, yeah, Sky Daddy. Yeah, I mean, maybe if I wasn't told to love a man at a young age, I wouldn't right. have turned out like this. Right, it's always about that that motherfucker. Um, although I do think I do think it's important. This is a, a soapbox that I've that I've gotten on a couple of times because I, I I got my start in the. I, I gave like the very, very abbreviated version of like how I started podcasting and how I started like the slightly longer version of that is that I started as an atheist podcaster. And I, uh, I specifically, my show used to be called the Gatheist Manifesto. And it was like very specifically a response that there were not a lot of uh, trans voices in the atheist movement uh, at the time. Uh, there was one person who was doing convention talks and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and she appeared on a podcast occasionally and, uh, I was looking and I was able to find, I think two trans people who were hosting podcasts. And I think at one time I looked and it was like somebody who had made a couple episodes and then stopped making it. Um, so there was like one active trans podcaster that I could find and, uh, one person who like did convention talk sometimes and occasionally appeared on a podcast and, uh, you know, when, when I came out, I had some experiences in the, the queer community here that were like, felt pretty hostile to me as someone who was an atheist. Uh, and then I saw, you know, like a, a lack of people like me in the atheist movement. And I was like, Hmm, I am a fan of podcasts. Maybe I should make one of those. And, uh, so I like very much existed in that world for a long time and, you know, it's it's as messy a community as any other, maybe more so. I don't know. That's like a, a pissing contest. I'm not super interested in uh, adjudicating, but you know, suffice it to say, it has a lot of the same problems a lot of other communities do. Of like, um, you know, powerful, charismatic white men at the head of things who can get away with doing whatever they want because people think they're heroes, and uh, a lot of bad behavior got swept under the rug. Um, but all that's to say, I think we often treat religion as a boogeyman when what we really mean is Christianity or, uh, or Abrahamic religion. Um, because I think, I mean, there are plenty of spiritual traditions that I, I think are not inherently hostile to queerness or transness. Uh, as someone who was an atheist myself, like I equally don't believe in those, <laughs> but, um, but I, I do think it's important to sort of like, name and be specific about where things because i don't think i don't think you can meaningfully talk about religion as if it isn't if it is any one thing with a singular effect on the world you know um because there were plenty of different spiritual traditions that didn't end in like colonization and the near destruction of the planet and (laughs) like um you know all of the other things that a, a specific brand of evangelical Christianity or, um, you know, in some places, Islam. Um, it, I, I think it's just important to like name specifics about where the problems lie and wh- like where those traditions are, you know? Um, and that's not to like make saints out of any other, you know, cause I mean, there, there are Buddhists who do terrorism <laughs> and, and Hindus who do terrorism, you know, um, you don't hear about them as much because they're certainly smaller in number. And of course, as, uh, 
you know, generally speaking in the United States, those things are treated as a monolith uh, and, you know, things that, that don't quite matter as much on the other side of the world. Cause we would just rather like lump all those things together and set them aside. Um, but yeah, have, that's just a soup. have oil for us to steal. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's that too. <laughs> I think, I think the issue is, is more so with, uh, maybe not necessarily religion, um, but I, I would lump all of them together in under the phrase like organized religion, but with like the the specific idea of organized religion that has rules about how to love, how to have a relationship, how to have sex. Like that specifically. Whether it's positive and whether I agree with it or not, I don't think that we should put these like these hard rules that specify like how people explore those things. And I think that organized religion just has a habit of doing that. Like, I, I don't think I know of any large scale organized religion that doesn't have some kind of like tradition or um, like expectation when it comes to how to love, how to be in a relationship mm -hmm. or how to have sex. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm specific of basically any philosophy that has a whole lot of thou shalts or like something like that. Um, especially, Sorry, go ahead. Like, any, like, any, like anything else, it needs resources to survive. And re religion's resources are people. <laughs> and you, to make people, you have to have a sex in a certain way. So that's why they have to have that conversation. And they're like, I need you to keep talking about this and tell it to your children. So they'll tell it to their children and keep giving us money. Well, right. It, it, I think it's it, it's a lot about preservation of power, right? Mm -hmm. Like you see that in how the the early Catholic Church operated, and how, um, you know, like if I'm remembering my history right, like there was a period of time where like the average person wasn't able to read the Bible, like they just had to take the priest's word word for what was in it. You know what I mean? Um, and like those things are like very obviously ways to consolidate and preserve power, um, not anything having to do with human flourishing of any kind. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I'm suspicious of any, of any philosophy that, that sort of operates in that way, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I've just, I've met people from other spiritual traditions that it's like, like, Oh, you know, like it's literally the foundational nature of like what I believe about the universe that like people are supposed to be able to do whatever they want, as long as they're not hurting other people. Um, and of course, that that can mean a lot of different things because Christians would say, specifically, like the right wing Christians who like want people like us dead would say that's what they're doing, um, and I, I, that obviously just has to do with their prioritizing, like you know, me being unhappy and hating myself in this life is not actually a problem as long as I end up in heaven, <laughs> you know. Uh, th th those kinds of philosophies I generally look at with skepticism, but I also think it's just like, I don't know. It, it's important to contextualize that in terms of where the power lies. Um, that's why I'm, I, I kind of look askance at so much of American style atheism that just like comes down so hard on Islam. Um, because it's like a lot of it is just so xenophobic and so racist mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's just a convenient way to cloud xenophobia and racism. Um, when it's like, we, we really should just be more concentrated on interrogating the power structures that exist in the United States 
in name evangelical Christianity <laughs> uh, and you know the the harm that that is like very obviously doing in the place that you live among the people that you are um, and uh, you know it's just it's interesting who gets the benefit of the doubt and who doesn't right because sure. everybody's like oh yeah you know like I'm an atheist I think it's all bullshit but you know like my dad's a Baptist paps- pastor and he's a good guy um, but like that you'll you'll find that same person saying things that imply like every muslim is a terrorist because islam is inherently this one thing and it's like there's a reason you give that benefit of the doubt to christianity that you don't give to islam and it's it it's very clearly xenophobia or racism <laughs> you know um and so i just I, I think it's also important to interrogate those kinds of things too like you know who who has the power and it, especially who has the power like where you live over the the marginalized group sort of in your sphere yeah is that a mic drop moment maybe there's some oh. silence so just like well, yeah <laughs> what a journey we have been on <laughs> yeah we've uh we've gone some places we have. We have. Wait a minute. But, okay, so this says live one hour forty nine minutes and fifty seconds. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. since we switched? No, or is that the? Okay, that I was going to say, holy shit, have we? That's why. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. Okay, right. yeah, this is total <laughs> tabs on the whole thing. Yeah. But, good, good, uh, good. But yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, we've got ourselves to a nice little point here. Yeah, we've got. Yeah. Uh, Elephants is the what I took out of all of this is uh, to, to forty two, not just forty two. That's what it comes down to. Forty two. Yeah, answer to everything. Uh, answer the question of life, the universe, and everything. The ultimate question. The ultimate question. Yes, thank you, thank you. My question is: What is the ultimate question? Well, we're gonna need what like a million years or something and yeah. a whole new computer to, to answer that question yep. i there are probably people we listening to this sleep. who have there are probably people listening to this who have no idea what we're talking about but there, and, no there's a quite a few who are like yeah dolphins and towels let's go of course yes yes yeah. so long and thanks for all the fish so that it come to this we tried to said, warn you all I, but oh dear that's if we want to talk about I know I know that you said you don't want to hash out the whole like what's the best sci-fi whatever but Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Oh so good. So to be clear, I'm I'm not interested in the silly Star Wars versus Star Trek debate. It's it's like comparing apples and avocados they're two different things i don't even care if they're the same i don't care to debate over them star trek is like my entire life i enjoy star wars and i am very very glad for my friends who for whom star wars is their entire life like it's the silliest debate i love that my friends have things that they like and sometimes those things are star wars when i was a kid i loved having those debates now i am very very glad to have a discussion comparing and and contrasting and talking about the reasons why i personally like one thing more more than another uh but i'm just so over the idea that i have to convince someone that they're wrong about a thing they like it's just it's silly Yeah. And so all that's to say that yes, Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide is I'm all the way but with you. I think Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is like the the creme de la creme. It's like mm, chef's kiss. 
Love it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I like Star Trek better, but strangely, I also believe that you can like Hitchhiker's Guide more than Star Trek and we can still be friends. It's, it's uh, weird. It's no, weird it's concept. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that, we, yeah. don't, we don't believe in extremist views here. Uh, we're going to have to... <laughs> 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 we're gonna have to kick you out it's just there's gonna be there's gonna be a tweet thread waiting on me when we're done i'm gonna be bullied <laughs> off the internet it's fine come at me but uh so we did this last time i guess we can do it this time uh what are our moral of the stories oh man uh I mean, I think sort of an overarching moral that maybe catches that maybe catches the two or three discrete conversations we've had in the course of all this is that like shit is really complicated. And I think the first step is just really embracing that everything is so much more complicated than you imagine it to be. And uh, anything, especially if you've not already done a ton of work in unpacking the culture that you've grown up in uh, a whole lot of your assumptions and a whole lot of your defaults are probably wrong. And a whole lot of the things that you think of as the status quo are probably not actually good or healthy. And that it's really, really important to interrogate all of those things in an honest way with the help of a therapist, if you have access to one. <laughs> um, and, and again, if, if you ask yourself these questions and you come down firmly on the side of the status quo, Maybe ask yourself that question two or three times again. And if you do come to the same place, it's fine. But uh, um, I, I would, again, just say be be suspicious of getting comfortable in like, oh, yeah, everything I grew up with makes total sense. Uh, because spoiler alert, that's rarely the case. <laughs> yeah. My moral would be that, you know, your answers are not anybody else's answers. You can't copy off somebody else's test. Because it's. I mean, I can, but I mean, sure. <laughs> um, you know, to the the yeah, you can, you can. Uh, I cast dispersions, not cast dispersions, but I, I guess uh, doubt those who have very firm beliefs on those who you haven't moved out of your hometown and you've never traveled or lived anywhere else, and this is your whole bubble. You probably need a little bit better worldview. You can absolutely be a, an educated and brilliant person, but I really have to dig deep and double check and examine where you're coming from if you haven't really experienced the world. Like, yeah, if you have an internet connection, there's no excuse. Man. You don't have to have the money to travel. All you have to do is be able to get on the internet. <laughs> do your own research, yeah. Except when it comes to viruses. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Not that way. Not that way. Yeah. Well, and, and that's that's what's so hard about coming up with a moral of the story, right? It's because like there are caveats and exceptions to everything. Yeah. Um, because there are certain things that I am very firm and immovable on. And I will absolutely say, like, if you do not believe this, you are wrong. Um, and you know, those are things like uh, you know the way that the way that I feel about uh, structural racism, structural transphobia, structural uh, structural misogyny, those kinds of things, uh, th that sort of stuff. I'm like very very firm on. But you know, when we're talking about like finding your way through life in ways that don't lead you to visit oppression on other people, 
Stephen, what do you got? Uh, I think you guys summed it up pretty nicely. I I feel like uh, I really liked your your imagery with the the elephant and the rope, and yeah, that was great. Like, kind of believing that something has more power than it than it has, and sort of growing out of that, and having to acknowledge that that's there and break out of that. It's beautiful stuff, poetic. I love it. Um, so just remember. Uh, always remember that you can learn from the pachyderm oh my god that's so good that's so good uh also don't like don't feel like you're a failure if that terrifies you because it it it's very it makes a whole lot of sense for it to be terrifying but like i can promise that like on the other side of that scary stuff there's just like a whole new world it's okay to be out of your comfort zone. Good, in fact, in many cases. Mm. All right. Well, I love you both very, very much. Ah, Thank you, you to all of our listeners and viewers so much for your time and your attention. Um, and uh, Stephen, you want to hit him with the... Uh... Oh, wait, first off, Kelly, uh, could you give your podcast another shameless plug? Absolutely. My podcast is called Queer Splaining. Uh, I am at Callie Gets It on Twitter, and uh, you can find Queer Splaining. Should be able to find it anywhere you listen to anywhere you currently listen to podcasts. And if you don't currently listen to podcasts, you're probably not hearing this. So <laughs> there's reason to believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here I am making assumptions again, but I think that's a fair one. <laughs> and Stephen hit him with our shameless plugs. Um, we, I, oh God, <laughs> what have I done? We have I'm robbed broke. him of his ability I'm to speak. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I, I should have been ready, but I wasn't ready. Um, but if you would like to contribute to my ability to be more ready in the future, then visit <laughs> mtfproductions.com slash donate. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> That was a brilliant transition into that. Save. Very nicely done. Fantastic save, yeah. Well I like done. to uh, to fall, but then catch myself so it looks like I, I'm dancing, but I'm actually Absolutely. just falling the entire time. Fall with grace. Yep. Fall with grace. Falling with style. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, hold and on. I, got, I'm better with this hand. There, I can't do it with this hand. I can't do it on my right hand. All right. Be good, friends. Right, are we doing are we doing post show? Absolutely. Or? Let's do a okay. post wrap up. All right. So anyone who's tuning in live, just stay tuned. We're gonna have a post show uh, where we can just kind of chill and hang if out. You're, if you're listening uh, after the fact, you could have tuned into the after show if you were listening live and watching live on Twitch and on Facebook and on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, eventually, we'll have a Patreon where we'll have a little bit of unlockables, and this might be on it. So. Unlockables. Unlockables. Okay. That's tapping into the gamer in me. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Unlockables. <laughs> Speaking of things you like having during sex. Unlockables. <laughs> oh. Uh, All right. And well, I'll, I'll, I'll get into that in the post show. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll see you all on the flip side. Love, love, love. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast with benefits. If you enjoyed this show, 
please rate, follow, and or subscribe to the podcast with benefits wherever podcasts are distributed. Please reach out to us by writing an email to bemorethanfriends at gmail.com, commenting on mtfproductions.com, or finding us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash bemorethanfriends. One day, we hope to do this for a living. To help make that dream come true, please donate what you can to our show at mtfproductions.com. Your donations help us purchase better equipment, fund more merchandise, and hold events. Please share this show with a friend that you love. Thank you.